got your Bible, go ahead and open to Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4, we're in a series called Destiny, a a six-week study in the book of Nehemiah, discussing obviously our destiny as a church, but, but also individually the destiny that God has for each and every one of us. Last week, we, we, we gave this illustration that I'm, I want to keep coming back to because I think it's really important for us to, to remember it. Um, we, we talked about how the church right now, City Church, is it, it, we're like a surfer. We, we, we can't cause the wave. We can't create a wave. We can't determine how high the wave goes or how fast it comes or the angle of the wave, the temperature of the wave. We can't determine any of that. All, all we can determine is we're going to paddle out into this wave and we're going to ride this thing. We're going to stand up in this wave that, that God has created, and we're going to ride it as far as we possibly can. And so that's where we're at, guys. We, we don't know what God is doing through all this. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than anything we fathom. It's bigger than anything we conceived of. But here's, here, here's our challenge. We've got to ride this thing as far as God will take it. Man, we've got to impact as many lives as we ride this wave as we possibly can. We've, we've got to determine, hey, we're going to do the brave thing. We're going to swim into this. We're going to stand up in it. We're, we're, we're going to watch God move in an incredible way. And so as we do, we're going to discover God's hand in our destiny. What, what we believe is in five weeks we're going to have our first service in our new building, November 5th. Um, we think it's going to be the biggest service City Church has ever had, non-Christmas and Easter division. And, man, we might even blow that out of the water, too. I don't know. Christmas and Easter don't even count. They're like different categories when it comes to church attendance. Uh, but for a random November Sunday, uh, it's going to be the biggest attendance we've ever had. And it's not just about attendance, guys. It's that each and every one of those people is a soul, that God is up to something. He wants to move mightily in their lives. But but for those things to happen, for, for God to see people saved, for God to see... Uh, new people come back, for God to see people get connected and plugged in and into a city group and into a church family and into a ministry, for all that stuff to happen, we've got to ride this wave. We've got to swim into it. And so last week we talked about five ways that we can step into our destiny, five ways that that we can be ready to ride this thing. We're going to talk about these every week just to remind you, number one, we, we already mentioned these, but pick your destiny days, man. Come and serve and help us out. We already had 29 people. Rocking and rolling over there yesterday. We, we need that size team every week, the next four weeks, in order to get everything done that we need to get done. Um, number two, if you haven't done it, man, start serving on Sundays. Join the Go team. We, we, we've got opportunities. We've got sign-up sheet right now at the Connection Center. You can serve in Kid City, serve in media, serve in First Impressions. We, we need to get people plugged in uh, in those ministries. So if you're not doing anything on Sunday mornings, man, we can get you in one Sunday a month. We're not talking about committing every Sunday of your life. We're not talking about, man, overstaffing you. But, but once a month, you know what? I can serve. I can get involved. Number three, pray, 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 pray. Um, we're going to see it in our message today, but I'll go ahead and steal a little bit. Uh, Nehemiah is going to face some great opposition, and he's going to get some strategy together. He's going to get some game plan together. They're going to do some great things. But before he does any of that, the first thing he does is pray. Uh, we're not going to make prayer our last resort. We're not going to wait until something goes wrong in this process. And, oh, now we got to rally up, and now we got to go before God, and now we're going to believe God to fix it. We're going to go before him while things are good. We're going to go before him while, while, while we're riding this wave. And we're going to say, you know what, God, man, protect this process. Protect what's going on, God. Begin to prepare people's hearts for, for salvation. Prepare people's hearts to come and be a part of what we're doing. We're going to pray. we got to cover this thing in prayer. Uh, number four, man, thinking through, who, who, who do I need to bring? To City Church. Last week, I, I gave you this challenge. Who's that person in your life that that used to be in church, that used to be serious about their walk with God, but they got hurt by church, and 
they, they've fallen away. And I actually talked to a couple people this week. They're like, I already know who that person is. I'm praying for them. I'm bringing them on November 5th. I've already invited them. Um, some of you guys are already already kicking that around. So that's the, the first piece. But each week I want to give you a, a different category of an individual. Um, I, I want to challenge you this week. Who's, who's somebody in your neighborhood? Man, I'm talking about your like. Next door, across the street, Cody Mercedes, you are the best, like, neighbor-winning people I've ever known. Like, these people, if you move into Cody Mercedes' neighborhood, you're going to get to know Jesus. Like, it's just the way that it is. Um, they, they got a great, great gift for connecting with the people nearby them. Um, we all need to be like that, man. Maybe it means you got to go get to know somebody across the street. Go introduce yourself. Uh, who's somebody in your neighborhood that, that doesn't have a church family? Uh, start praying that, that God would bring them in through this process. And then number five, we talked about a little bit already, but help us step into destiny uh, financially. Help us to take that step. If we can do those five things, if we can cover this thing in prayer, if we can get involved and join the GO team, if we can do the destiny days, if we can bring people to City Church, man, God's going to do something incredible in this season. Every time God does something massive, and there have been quite a few that he's done massively over the past six weeks, um, I'm just like, God, what are you up to? Like, like I, to, I told Dave this morning, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm done predicting or even saying anything because everything that I say is way below what God wants to do. So I'm, I'm just done, like, putting any of my expectations on anything. But God, God's up to something massive, guys. We're going to remember this season. We're going to remember and look back fondly on this wave that we got to ride. Um, so those are our five challenges for, for each of us. Um, we introduced Nehemiah last week, and, and we looked at how he was – called by God to lead a team to build a wall. Jerusalem, the holy city, was in ruins. There, there were people who lived there. They had homes there. They actually had rebuilt the temple there so they could worship God there. But the outer wall of the city had, had been destroyed, and nobody had come in to rebuild it. So, so the, the people were, were, they were scared. They lived in fear. All the, the neighboring tribes could come in and raid them and take things. They could be bullied. Um, they, they, they felt shame because here they were, the city of God the place where God is supposed to be worshipped, and, and it wasn't where it was supposed to be. So there, there were a lot of issues for the city. And so Nehemiah didn't live there. Nehemiah lived in the capital of the Persian Empire, a city called Susa. He was a cupbearer to the king, and, and, and God laid it on his heart. You need to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. You need to go back to Jerusalem, build a team to build the wall. And, and so they, he, he moves back to Jerusalem, and they get started in this process start to run into some problems. You ever feel like something you were trying to do, man, every time you try to do it, it, something just went wrong? Like, man, this thing you were trying to accomplish, it just, everything, every time you turned around, there was another problem, there was another issue, there was another situation. Probably many of us have felt that way. As, as you read through Nehemiah, if you go through starting in chapter 1, where, where, where this all begins, all the way to chapter 6, where the building of the wall ends, you'll notice a lot of things that go wrong. A lot of opposition that rises up against this wall. In fact, I believe it's, it's 16 times that they get assaulted. 16 times where something comes against them. 16 times where they face opposition in the, in the face of six, six chapters. In, in 52 days, in a short season, time and time again, it's like every three days there's another problem. And that's just what was recorded. We don't even know what, what was not recorded, what was not passed down for us. So they faced a lot of challenges. Here in Nehemiah chapter 4, we're, we're going to jump into an incredible problem that Nehemiah must deal with 
during the renovation of his day. The enemies of God have actually come against the city, and, and they're planning to kill them to stop, stop the work. But I want you to see it in God's word. Starting in verse 1, it says, When Sanballat heard that they were re- we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from these heaps of rubble? Burned as they are. So so the first thing that I want you to see if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is, is the builders were openly mocked. The enemy actually brought somebody, a man named Sandballot, to to come and and make fun of them and say, you're a bunch of idiots. You're not rebuilding this wall. You're not strong enough. You're not contractors. You don't know what you're doing. I was painting yesterday, and I didn't know what I was doing. And I got, I I, I spilled a bunch of paint on the floor, and I walked in it, and I I got paint on my Fitbit. And, like, you know, there's things that I'm like, this is not, this is out of my skill set. This is not what what God called me for. But it's what I'm doing in this season, right? And, and, And People openly mocked me. Thank you, Susan Weersma. Uh, people made fun of me uh, because I didn't know what I was doing, right? So I can, I can identify with Nehemiah here, and, and I'm having some fun with it. But, but, man, when God calls you to something, when you're pursuing something that God has for you, many times the enemy's going to cause somebody to rise up and, and tell you why you can't get it done. Tell you why you're not good enough. Tell you why you're not capable of this dream, of this thing that God has called you to. We need to, to, to recognize and be aware of that. Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite. So, so first we got Sanballat. Now we got Sanballat's boy, his partner in crime. Tobiah, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. So, so, so he's making fun of them too. He's saying all you need is just a little dog, not even a big dog, just a little bitty fox, a light fox. If he stepped on it, this whole wall is going to come crashing down. You're not any good at what you're doing. Why don't you just stop right now? Quit while you're ahead. Man, just cut your losses. Just get out of it. So, so not only did they have to deal with being openly mocked, I guarantee you the builders had to deal with doubts. Because when you start hearing multiple voices telling you why you're not good enough, you know what other voice starts speaking to you? A lot of times the one right here. Right? And you start hearing it here. Now we start hearing it here. No, maybe, maybe they're right. What are we doing? We look like a bunch of idiots. We don't know how to build a wall. What, what were we thinking? Why, why did Nehemiah get us into this? And so they were mocked, and then they began to have doubts, I believe, in their own heart. Verse 4 says, hear us, our God, for we are despised. You ever felt despised? You ever felt hated? To turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sin from your sight, for they were thrown insults in the face of the builders. You know, you're mad when you start praying, God, don't forgive them. God, just let them pay the price for their sins. God, don't, don't rescue them. Don't redeem them. Like, they were, they were hurt. They were upset. This is raw. This is real. Verse 6, it says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their hearts. So here we are in chapter 4, verse 6. They got the wall halfway done. They've, they've got it starting to take place, starting to, to, to see some progress. It says that it took all their heart to get this done. City Church, I really believe for the destiny that God's called us to, we're not going to get there with half our heart. If we're going to walk in God's very best that he has in this season, we're not going to get there three-quarters heart. God's calling us. He's compelling us. He's inviting us and saying, I need you to paddle into this wave with your heart. I need you to pursue.
pursue me with your whole heart. I need you to pray with your whole heart. I need you to work with your whole heart. I need you to give me all that you are in this season. And watch what I can do through you. Watch what I can do with you. So they began to accomplish things. Why? Because they were invested. It was wholehearted investment. Whatever destiny God has for you, whatever call has he has on your life, whatever ministry he lays out for you, whatever dream he births in your heart. Can I tell you, City Church, you're not going to accomplish that dream halfway. You're not going to walk in the thing that God has for you. The thing that God has for you, the thing that God has prepared you for, the thing that God created you for is a wholehearted dream. It's not a halfway dream. He wants us all. And if we give him our whole heart, he will do amazing things in us. Verse 7, it says, but when Sam Ballot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, so now it's not just these two jokers, these two dudes who are messing with them, now it's like whole groups of people, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the people of Ashdod, when they heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. It's not a joke anymore, now they're mad. Now they got an enemy. Now they got people who are who are coming against them. Verse 8, it says, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against them. Can I, can I tell you this? The enemy, Satan, who hates you and hates me, he's not very creative. He's predictable. He's got patterns. He's been doing the same thing over and over and over again for thousands of years. And the same way that this happened in the physical, I believe, is a picture of what's happening right now in the spiritual. We haven't seen any opposition, man. Things have gone smooth. They have gone great. Great things are happening for us. But I guarantee you, just like God has a plan, Satan's got a plan to bring those things to a halt. He's got a scheme to come against us. And I don't know what his scheme is. Maybe it's to bring division to to where we start gossiping against each other and talking bad about one another and he begins to to hurt God's people using God's people. Maybe maybe his scheme is, is man, there's something that we're going to find. Man, we, we found, When we first started digging into the wall uh, the other night, we found some termite damage and we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? Then it turned out that it's like from a long time back, there was actually a post-it note under a wall that said termites that have been there for like 20 years. Uh, no joke. Uh, so, so the termite issue has been gone. We didn't find any termites, but it was like, oh my gosh, is this it? Is this the problem? I don't know what the the thing the enemy has where he's going to try and derail this thing, but I guarantee you he's not going to let it go smooth. He's not going to let it go without an attempt. He's got a plan to try and make this thing slow down. He's got a plan to try and and cause this thing to get off track. He's not going to let us walk into a free building and go over there. He's not going to let us begin to reach more people for God's glory, to begin to reach this city at a greater level by reaching one than we are. He's not just going to stand by and say, okay, go, go get more people saved. Take more people out of hell and put them into heaven. No problem. He's got a scheme. I don't know what it is. But here's what we're doing. We're going to pray against that scheme before we see it show up. Instead of waiting for those arrows to come against us, instead of waiting for some problems to start coming, we're going to take authority over that thing now. And we're going to believe that we continue to walk in victory. We're going to believe that we continue to walk in God's provision. We're going to believe that things continue to go smoothly. And I believe if we'll be proactive in our prayer life, those things can happen. But the enemy's got a plan. I promise you that. So what do we do? How do we respond when when opposition comes against us? How how do you respond when when that dream that God's placed in your heart and you're pursuing it and now there's opposition against it? What's the response? We see the response begin in verse 9. It says, but we prayed to our God. Everybody say, we prayed. But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. See, what we're going to find with Nehemiah that, that I love so much about him is time and time again, 
in this book. Something will come upon him. God, God will place it on his heart that you need to go back and, and, and build a wall. And Nehemiah doesn't fall into either of the two traps that so many Christians fall into. See, some Christians, we fall into the trap that we're like, man, all we got to do is pray. Right? That's the person, my, my dad said those kind of people, they're, they're too spiritually minded to be any earthly good. Like, all we got to do is pray. We're just going to pray, and we're going to seek God, and God's going to take care of everything, and all we got to do is pray. Nehemiah wasn't one of those people, but he's also not one of those people who, who thinks, oh, I mean, we got to do everything, and, and we're not going to go before God. See, a lot of times we have this idea, in fact, I Googled this, and you'd be amazed how many memes come up, and you'll see your friends post this on Facebook, and they think it's so sweet and so cute, and it's like, makes me want to vomit. But we have this idea uh, that, that, that when all else fails, pray. In fact, I brought one of those memes with it and put that up. When all else fails, pray, right? When, all, when everything else is not working, when everything else is falling and failing, when all else fails, pray. Can I tell you, City Church, that's terrible advice? Because what that says is try everything else you can do first, and if nothing works, then pray. That is awful advice. It was the first thing Nehemiah did. He prayed first. Then he went out and got to work. He didn't think, okay, I prayed, now I'm good. Now I can go back and sleep. Now I can rest. Now God's going to take care of it. He did his part because guess what? God ain't going to do our part. God's not going to magically speak, and all of a sudden there's paint over all those walls. He could. But he's not going to. Why? Because he said, I want you to do it. I want you to be a part of it. I want every time you walked in that building for you to know I was a part of this. I got to do something here. There's a mark that I was able to leave. And and the same thing when it comes to your dream, when it comes to your destiny, whatever that is. He's not just going to do it for you. He's not just going to drop it in his lap. But you know what he will do? He'll do the part that only he can do. We could if we, we talked about it last week. At the pace that we raised our money, as we were trying to do our renovation, we, we shot to raise $20,000 in three months. We raised 7500 bucks a month for three months. If we could have kept that pace up every month, it would have taken us over 13 years to buy that land, that building, and that property. God did it in an instant. One phone call, he did over 13 years worth of work. That's what only God can do. But there's a part he's saying, I want you to do. Now it's your turn. I've done what I can do. I've done what you could have never done on your own. Now it's our turn to be a part of it. So so Nehemiah got that. He understood it. He prayed first, but then he got to work. Then he got a strategy. Then he got a game plan together. Verse 10, it says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. It's already get tired. I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but over this six weeks, we might get a little tired. Man, I know yesterday I was exhausted. Uh, I mean, Spencer and his friend Dave came in Friday night and helped start tearing out the wall. We did that Friday night. Saturday we came in. We did the work day. Then I had to take Pastor Vince and Allie over to another church that's getting ready to close down that's offering us some of their equipment. And we looked at that, and, and we're doing all this stuff and all this stuff and all this stuff. And, man, there's some moments where I'm like, man, can we just spread this out a little bit longer? Can we just take three months to do this? But, but, but this is the plan God's placed. This is the call God's put on us. Um, and so, man, the, the strength may start to give out. And it says there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. I think the guys made eight truckloads to the dump yesterday with rubble from all the stuff that we tore down, from the walls we tore down, from the balcony that we tore down, from all this stuff. There was a lot of rubble. And they said, man, we didn't have a dump to take it to. There was no Jerusalem dump for us to throw in. They didn't have pickup trucks, right, to throw it in. Thank God for pickup trucks. They had all this rubble. What are we going to do with all this, Nehemiah? How are we even supposed to work with all this destruction all around us? Verse 11, it says, Also our enemies said, 
Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. What, what happens when God bursts a dream in one of his people? There's an enemy who wants to steal and kill and destroy. I believe God's placed a dream in your heart. Maybe it's fully formed. Maybe you know exactly what that dream is. Maybe you've just kind of scratched the surface of it. Maybe you're not even aware of it yet, and God's going to begin to unearth that. Maybe even through today's message, he's going to start to dig into that for you. But you got a destiny. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were created to accomplish something for his glory and for his kingdom. And when that dream begins to be pursued, when you begin to start getting the education, begin to start getting the training, start to get the experience, start to, start to put things together, guess what's going to happen? The enemy's going to come and he's going to try to kill that dream. Try to steal it, try to destroy it, try to quench it. And they recognize this, they see this, they're trying to come and kill us. Verse 12, then the Jews who lived near them came and they told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. One of the ten times over, in other words, over and over again, no matter where we go, they're going to try to kill us. Like they were freaked out, they were panicked. When you start saying the same thing over and over again, you start repeating yourself, man, it's because you're not thinking in your right mind, right? They were so, they were so scared, they were terrified for their lives in the midst of the dream. Verse 13, Nehemiah begins to handle things. He's already prayed. He went to God first. Now comes the strategy. Listen to what he does. He says, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places. So he sent people to the weak spots. Where are we most vulnerable? Let's, let's start there. Where, where's our greatest weakness? And then he says that he posted them by families. I love this. He posted them by families. You know, the, the, there were a few families who were there yesterday at the work day working together, working alongside each other. There were a couple families that were like in different departments. We had some people over here and some people over here. And, and man, the family sacrificed together. I think that's so cool. I can't wait till my kids are old enough. I can put them to work. Uh, we can do this together. I'm like, if I hand Judah a paintbrush, it would be bad news right now. Uh, but, but we're going to get to that place. But I think it's awesome. The families work together. It wasn't just you or you. I mean, he sent them by their families. It says he sent them, posted them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, this, this is a blueprint of what to do when you get overwhelmed, a blueprint of what to do when, they, when the opposition comes against you. Look what he tells them. He says, don't be afraid of them. Why? Because you can't walk in faith and fear simultaneously. So don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Don't be afraid, but remember the Lord. Why? Because he is great and awesome. We did a series a couple couple months back. We said that, that we worship God because he's good and because he's great. If I'd have seen that verse, I'd have just stole it. He's great and he's awesome. That's why we worship him. I, I like that. I like the way he put it. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and then fight. Who do you fight for? Fight for your Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Man, why, why are we doing all this? Because there's a generation coming up behind us that's going to meet Jesus in heaven. Why are we doing this? Because we're going to leave a legacy for our kids, for the kids who are in Kids City right now, for the students who meet on Wednesday nights at the 662. We're creating something for them. We're sacrificing for them. We're fighting for our church family. We're fighting for a community that needs Jesus. Why are we fighting? Because there are people who matter, who hang. One of the things that made this wall building project so successful is that they did it for God, first and foremost, yes, but they also did it for each other. They 
thoughts for each other. Guys, as, as, as we do this process, as we give, as we serve, as we do work days, as we're involved in this, as we pray, can, can you keep your eyes, first of all, on Jesus? Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. But look, just do this right now. Just, just look around the room. I mean, just make, get real awkward. Look at somebody, just stare at them, make them uncomfortable. Like, look, look around the room. That's who you're fighting for. That's who we're doing this for. You don't know the situation of that family who's sitting behind you. You don't know the thing that they're going to run into. You don't know the, the, the challenge of that young person who's sitting across from you. We're fighting for them. We're putting together an opportunity for, for God to do something incredible in their lives. As you pursue your destiny, whatever that is, that call, that dream that God's put in your heart, man, it's for you, but he didn't give it to you just for you. It's bigger than you. It's to impact somebody else's life. We got to fight for that dream because there's somebody else who needs that dream to succeed. If it's a God dream, if it's not a God dream, then it may not be for us. But if that's a God-given thing, if that's a God-given calling, if that's a God-given destiny, then that thing has to be accomplished because it's not just about you, it's about the others he wants to impact through your dream. If you look at the attacks of the enemy, which, again, there, there's 16 attacks from chapter 1 to chapter 6. Most of them fall within three categories. Their confidence is attacked, their leader is attacked, and their unity is attacked. But I, I, I want to talk to you about their confidence being attacked primarily because I think that's the one that all of us can relate to. But I want to hit the other two very, very quickly. Look, can I ask you, please, through this process, I already asked you to pray. Let, let me get a little more specific. Pray for your leaders. Can, can you pray for our elders? Can you pray for our staff members? Pray for Tim and Kinsley. Pray for Kenneth and Naomi Stroh. Pray for Travis and Selena Buckner. Pray for David and Susan Morrison. Pray for Pastor Vince. Pray for Allie. Pray for Bobby, who's over First Impressions. Jimmy, who's over our worship team. Pray for me and for Mel and, and our families. Man, pray for us. Cover us in prayer. We got big decisions to make. We, we got big choices to make. We, we got a lot to lead. We got a lot to carry. Cover us in prayer if you would, man. We're, and know this, we're praying for you. We're going before God for you. We're not asking you to do something we're not doing. But, man, can, can you even, even maybe a little more than you've been in this, in this season, can you pray for us? We need your prayers. We really do. Secondly, I want to ask you to pray for unity. I've always felt like we've got an, an above-average church when it comes to unity. Doesn't mean we got a perfect church when it comes to unity. We've had our issues. We've had our junk. We we got our, our our people who run their mouths and who talk bad about one another and who say stupid stuff, and that's not okay. And the enemy is going to try and just flare that up. He's going to try to maximize that. He's going to try and man cause all kinds of division, especially in this season. If he can't keep us from the building, he's going to keep us from being a team in the building. Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago that the church would be one, that everybody who came after him, that we would be unified. We got to be unified. We got to keep from letting distractions in the culture and distractions in politics and, and distractions that are going on from, from dividing us and separating us. We got to fight for that unity. We got to pray for that unity. Pray for your leaders, pray for unities. But I want to talk mostly about the confidence being attacked. Whenever you're working on a project that's from God, dream, that God-given destiny is in your heart, and you get attacked, and, and you say, man, we, we can't do this, then what you're really saying is, God, can you do this? You ever been in that place where it's like, man, it's just, this is just too much, this thing that I'm trying to do right now, this thing that God's leading me to, it's just beyond me, I just can't accomplish this, I, I can't serve in this way, I can't give more, my family can't go through more of this, we can't, we can't be a part of this, and, and when we say we can't, what we're really saying is, God, 
to provide for us in that. I'm not saying there's not things that we overcommit ourselves to that weren't God, that sometimes we need to cut, cut back, and we need to say, you know what, maybe this season we don't need to be involved in this. Absolutely. There's times where we need to step back. There's times where we need to reevaluate. We need to set boundaries. But if it's that God-given dream, that God-given destiny, that calling, that you know God's compelling you to that, and you know he's compelling you to it now, and you shrink back because you say, man, I just don't have enough. I'm just not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I just can't accomplish this. When we shrink back, what we're really saying is, God, you're not enough. Because it's never about us to begin with. If it's a God-given dream, let me just clue you in on something. It's bigger than you to begin with. It's beyond what you can accomplish. It's greater than anything you can do in your skills, in your resources, in your strength. You can't do it on your own. So don't think you have to, but don't prevent God. Don't, don't think that God can't accomplish this. Here's what you need to know. Anything that God touches becomes holy. Anything that God touches becomes set apart. Anything that God puts his hand on, if God puts his hand on you, and if you're a child of God, if you received his salvation, then guess what? He's already put his hand on you. That's why when Paul wrote many of the epistles, you know how he addressed them? He said to the saints of God. You know what saint means? The literal definition of saint is holy ones. He's talking about you. The people of God, the saints of God. We, we got this idea that saints are like people who lived 1,500 years ago and did miracles and these incredible people. You're, you're a saint of God. You might not have acted like a saint last night. You might not have acted like a saint on the way to church this morning. You're, you're a saint. You're a holy one. set apart for his purposes. We talked about how, how, how churches die every day in buildings. Good friend of mine, church that, that started pretty similar time period to us, that's had kind of a similar focus to us right here in Olive Branch. They're having their last service today right here. Church is closed. This is the first time. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. Churches die in buildings every day. Getting over there and getting a building does not mean all of a sudden we're going to grow. doesn't mean we're all of a sudden going to reach people. But if we'll let God touch that building, if we'll let him set it apart, if we'll dedicate it to his purposes, if we'll honor him in it, then I believe he can take what he's already got over here that's good for him and add that tool to the process, put that, put that in the mix, and I believe it can be a great catalyst for a new season of reaching people in this church. But it's not just going to happen. It's not like we just got to show up and open the doors and say, yo, we got a building. People have been driving by that building for decades. They're not going to come just because we put a new name on it. They're going to come because the Spirit of God is moving. They're going to come because God is up to something. They're going to come because, because we are riding that wave and we're swimming into that wave and we're ready and we're in prayer and we're pursuing Him and we got a strategy and we got a plan. But it's not just going to some of the statements the Jews made when the enemies of God got through working on them. He said the strength of the laborers is, worth, is giving out. There's so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Your confidence in God is connected to your confidence that God can work through you. Notice they didn't say God's not good enough and God's not big enough. They, they looked at themselves. They looked at their own weakness. But what they were really declaring is because we're weak, God can't get this thing done. God might have told you to do this, Nehemiah, but we're not good enough for it. Let's just stop it right now. we got to make sure we never make that mistake. As we get ready to close today very quickly, I want to give you four steps from the text to overcoming the obstacles the enemy has for you. Four steps that, that we can walk out 
to make sure whatever the obstacle that the enemy brings against your dream, against your destiny, that you can overcome that. Number one step, we talked about it already, but write it down. Pray first. Pray first. Pray first. Man, we're going to God first. We're not going to wait until things go wrong. We're not going to wait until now there's a struggle. We're not going to wait until things fall apart. Pray first. Go to him first. Not all we're going to do, but it's the first thing we're going to do. Nehemiah 4, 9 says, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this demand. Pray first. Pray through the challenges, the obstacles, the opposition. The second thing to do if you want to overcome those obstacles that the enemy puts against your destiny is, is do not fear. Because faith and fear are encounter to one another. Chapter 4, verse 14, it said, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. What he had to speak to, he had to speak to their fear. City Church, do not be afraid. Can, can I just be real transparent with you? I've been terrified a few times in this process because I'm like, what is God trying to do? Dude just came to the door who I barely even know and handed me $6,000. That's never happened before. He's like, God, what are you up to? This is bigger than, than I prayed for. This is bigger than I asked for. God, what are you doing? Like, there's a, there's a holy fear. There's a terror that's fallen on me a, a, a few times in this. And God's had to remind me, we chose you for this season, for this purpose. You chose this church for this. We're going to walk through this together. But whatever the opposition that comes, man, whatever we find, if we did find termites, right? Like we're not going to be afraid of those stupid bugs. We're not going to be afraid of the opposition. We're gonna, you know, God knew about this opposition before we got here, and we're going to walk through it. We're going to figure it out. We, we, um, I don't even know if I should tell you all this because we had ice out of this last week, but we found a whole bunch of mold in the ice machine, uh, Pam, the ice machine you're in love with, um, so one, one of the things that we uncovered yesterday is this is nasty, um, like, like really nasty, like thankfully nobody's died, um, but uh, so uh, yeah, so we kind of took the whole thing apart, and we're going to have to buy some new parts and replace some things, and like there's going to be some hidden things like that, that's just like a physical expression, there will be, there'll be many other things, there's going to be some things we didn't expect. And that's not to say anybody did anything wrong. I'm not knocking anybody over there. I probably wouldn't have thought to clean the ice machine either. Now that we've seen it, we're going to make sure we clean the ice machine. Um, like, we, we, we figured that part out. Um, but there's going to be some unexpected surprises. We're not going to be afraid when they come. We're not going to shrink back in fear. we say, you know what? God knew this mold was in this ice machine. It's all good. We're going to get this thing out of here. We're going to get it fixed. Number three. So we're, we're going to pray first. We're going to choose not to fear. Number three, fix your eyes on Jesus. It says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. As you pursue your dream, as you pursue your destiny, as you pursue the calling he's placed in your heart, the thing that he's put, put in your life, keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember the Lord. Why? He's great. He's awesome. Don't forget him. Keep your eyes on him. Number four, as we walk through this process together, as you pursue your destiny, fight for your family fight for your family. He said, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Later on, they see that they worked on the project with one hand and at the other hand, they had a sword. So they had a hammer in one hand, building a wall and a sword in the other hand, defending against attack. There may be some, some season like that for us. There may be some seasons like that for you as you pursue your dream where it's like, man, I'm working on it with one hand and I'm defending against all this attack that's coming with the other hand. It's okay. Fight for your families. Fight for your families. Fight for your faith family. Man, fight, fight, fight. Pick up your sword. What's our sword, church? 
What's our sword, church? It's the word of God, right? Sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We're going to need a sword through this process. We've got to be in the word. I know it's not on the list. It's not on the list because it's like hopefully we already know it, right? Like We've got to be in the word. But let me just remind you, pick up your sword. We're not going to build a wall with our bare hands. We're going to build a wall with a hammer in one hand and the sword of the spirit in the other hand. And we do that, we can build something that will last, something that will impact a generation, something that will transcend what we've already experienced. And, again, I don't want to make this all about City Church Newport. There's a deeper message here about your dream, about your destiny, about the calling that God has in your life. I'm just using that as a way to illustrate it because that's what we're walking through right now. But God's got a destiny for you. He wants you to build something in your life. He wants you to accomplish something great. He wants you to leave a legacy. You know this wall that they built? It wasn't just for their generation. Their generation died off. And I'll give you spoiler alert. They built the wall. They finished the wall. And that wall lasted for decades, for years and years. People could come and experience the safety and the protection because one group of crazy people spent 52 crazy days. And they busted their tails and they worked with their whole hearts for 52 days to create a legacy that would last for lifetimes. That's what God's calling you to in your destiny. That's why God's placed a dream and a call in your heart so that you can build something with your skills, with your gifts, with what he's placed inside of you, something that's bigger than you, something that you're going to need a team to come around you to build. Not one, Nehemiah didn't build that wall by himself. Nehemiah got his name on the book, but it was a team that built the wall. Your dream is going to be bigger than you. It's going to require some other people to get on board. It's going to require some other people to be in your life. That's why it's important to be in community. Start developing those relationships. Start surrounding yourself with some other people who can speak into your life, who can pray for you, who can be there for you. That's why you need to get in a city group. Because your dream, your destiny is bigger than you. You need some people who you can do life with. That's why God's placed the church here for one another. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about Jimmy, as awesome as Jimmy Fulp is. Right? It's about us. It's about his call, his purpose, his glory, and us doing it together. He's got a destiny for us, church. He's got a destiny for you. And we get a chance to walk in it. There's going to be opposition that comes. The enemy's going to bring everything he can against us. He's going to plot, and he's going to scheme, and he's going to mock, and he's going to try to hurt, and he's going to try to steal and kill and destroy. But you know what? They built that wall. Sixteen times the enemy came against them, and they kept on building. We may face some opposition the next few weeks. We're going to keep on building. We're going to keep on pushing. We're going to keep on believing God. We're going to go to him first in prayer. We're going to reject fear. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we're going to fight for our family. Amen. Pray with me. Father.